Welcome to Living Chassidus. Together, let's live the Chassidus we learn. Okay. 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 Wonderful. Good vach, everybody. And a happy birthday to our Rebbe. As of right now, it is Yud Aleph Nissen here in New York. Um, and we have the great, great Svos of having one of my favorite speakers, not only my favorite speakers, but he's also one of my favorite authors. Um, he has spoken for us in the past and we are so lucky to have him again. I want to share um, his latest book. It's called Australian Encounters. And I actually was just speaking to a fellow college teacher and she said that this book changed her life. So Baruch Hashem has changed many, many lives. Um, he has also written The Lawyer and the Mystic, as you can see it on the screen, and my absolute favorite of all time, Conversations with Zadie. It is my go-to gift for anyone who I feel it really relates to or who doesn't already have it, which I'm pretty sure we actually gave it out as a prize a few years ago. Um, his name is Mr. Robert Kremneiser, and he is not only a lawyer, an incredible author, uh, insanely inspirational and relatable speaker. And he is also an artist. He paints um, some of my favorite, favorite paintings. So Baruch Hashem, we have the great close of having him here tonight and he will share some words of inspiration. Thank okay, you. thank you for all of that. Um, I've just, uh, it, it, it's difficult to, um, to know what to talk about in a Fabringen, which is an hour. Um, because although an hour sounds like a long time and is often torture for either the speaker or the audience, um, it isn't really a long time if we want to do anything important. And the problem is that Yud Aleph Nissen is not a Fabringen where it shouldn't be important. On the contrary, it should be. Um, the title of this was very good because glimpsing the river is is a great honor. Um, it's a very big. Um, let me say this to you before we start. You can't you can't really see the river, or understand the river. The best you can hope to do is to understand or tune into or be influenced by aspects of the river. You know, um, I know that the audience tonight is young and probably never saw the river. Uh, and um, it's amazing to me as an old man who does remember the river very well, of course, um, that the level of, um, the level of influence that the river has not only hasn't diminished since Gimel Tamas, but it's it's grown and it's grown with vigor and, and robustness. And um, the gushmiest reason for this, and everybody should be clear about this, that there have been geniuses in history. There have been other geniuses. Uh, there have been geniuses in learning. There have been geniuses in speaking. In speaking, there have been geniuses in organisation. There have been geniuses in leadership. 
there have been geniuses in, in many of these aspects, but you could count on one hand in history, somebody whose genius is in everything. And that's what the river was. He was a genius in everything. So when we talk about, when Kremnizer talks about the river to you ladies, you have to understand that we're kind of ants talking about a colossus. So, and there's a, I'll give you an example, just an ordinary example from Gashmir's. You have a family dog and let's say the members of the family love the dog and the dog really loves the members of the family for obvious reasons. They feed him, they water him, they walk him. And that dog is close to the family and the family is close to the dog and the dog sleeps between the legs of mummy or daddy on mummy or daddy's bed and adores mummy or daddy or both, right? That's all very well, but if you took your father's business's balance sheet and showed it to the dog, the dog wouldn't have any idea what, what the balance sheet was. Or if you tried to get the dog to listen to some Mozart or Bach, he's got no idea. Why? Because he just doesn't have the equipment. So the first thing to understand about the river is that we don't understand about the river. And he has, he had, um, as at Sadiq Goma, he had uh, a reach and a vision that we just don't understand. So the best we can do is to try and notice some of that reach and try and apply it. And um, of all the subjects which uh, we could bring about together, um, I was trying to think of what is his um, you know, you go to a, there's a kosher restaurant in Sydney. We don't eat out often, but there's a kosher restaurant in Sydney. And we went there and the guy came and said, the, the waiter came and said, our signature dish is so-and-so. So if I could pick a signature dish that came from the river, it would be this. It would be that, oh, there are a few, but one is, one is, and we won't deal with it tonight, if we ever bring again together, maybe we should do it then, but um, one of them was that people don't have the faintest idea of what their own potential is. They have no grasp whatsoever on what they can be. That's, that was one thing the river um, emphasized over and over again. But if, if I had to pick his signature dish, it would be Batochen. It would be, you know, one of, one, of, one of the things about the river was that he really believed what he said. He really believed what, what he believed. There's a story that, that, uh, um, we were bringing in, in Sydney a hundred years ago and uh, one of the Shemtovs was in Sydney um, and uh, he 
he was talking about the first first and only time I think the Rebbe went to visit camp, Camp Gun Israel. In the first couple of years of his Messias, the Rebbe went to visit Gun Israel. And um, when Shemtov's kid, Rabbi Shemtov's kid came home, he, he said, did the Rebbe come to the camp? And he said, yes. He said, what did the Rebbe say? Did the Rebbe say anything startling to you? And the kid's replies to his, his father, yes, he told us Mashiach's coming. So the father says to this, the boy, but son, I tell you that pretty often. And the kid looks at the father and he says, yeah, dad, but he really believes it. And that sums up the way the Rebbe learned. It wasn't that he was walking the walk, talking the talk. He really believed and lived what he was teaching to an absolute total extent. So when he was teaching Batokan, he was teaching Jews a way to alter their destiny. You know, there are, there are energies in, in the world which are obvious, like um, thunder, sound, um, light, um, heat. But then there are many energies in the world which are not obvious, electricity, uh, gravity. Gravity can't even be measured. They don't even know what gravity is. They don't know whether it's a particle or whether it's a, it's a, uh, a wave for those people who know anything about physics. They don't know anything about it. It's, but it's, everybody understands that there is an energy, which is gravity. We, we learn in, in, in Kabbalah, in Hasidus, that there is an energy of chuva. Chuva has an energy of itself. It, it, it becomes self-propelling. And one of the energies that exists that people don't know about, sadly, um, unless they learn the river's Torah, is that Betochen is an energy of its own. And harnessing that energy is life-changing. It's uh, And because the Rebbe understood this to the point that we will never understand it, he lived his life that way and energized other people by telling them about Betochen. And I know many people, and if I say many, I would say more than 10, which is many, to whom the Rebbe told that they should go and learn Shara Betochen from Hoivus Halavovus. Now, if anyone doesn't know what that is, I don't have time, but I was told that the audience has a, a grounding in this. So um, suffice it to say that Hoivus Halavovus was a Muslim safer. It's a thousand years old, and it's got a one section of it is called Shara Habatokan. And the Rebbe told people to learn that over and over again. I know people he's told to learn it three times. I know people he's told to learn it five times. And we're not talking about garbage collectors. We're talking about Rabonim who can learn. We're talking about people who, are, who think that they're serious from Jews. 
And the Rebbe told them to go and learn Shara Abitokhan. Why? Because without it, you live a different kind of life. If I can put it as boldly as possible, you live a different sort of life. Now, in the, in the introduction, and you'll have to forgive me, but I've forgotten our host's name. I know it's terrible, but um, can you unmute yourself and tell me for one second? Yes, Michal Weiss. It's Michal, that's right. Yes, although my husband's Australian, so it's Weiss. <laughs> okay, so Michal was in the introduction saying this was the latest book and it's a, a book of stories and Baruch Hashem, it's changed people's lives. I love to hear that because any artist uh, struggles between the quest for Bittel and and the, the fact that, that artists need to hear the clapping. It's a, it's a reality, you just do. So I'm pleased if a book is well received and I'm pleased to hear it. But I want to tell you, I've just finished a book which I believe is much more important than the previous books. And it's a book called uh, Stairway to Serenity. And it is a summary of Shah Habatokan in ordinary people's language in a way which is relatable to everyday life. And um, I've just finished a five, uh, I do a shear on Tuesday night, it gets recorded and sent around the world. And um, I've just done five shiurim, a series of five hours on, on Shara Batokan. And if anybody wants to get these, I, I can, if they email me, I, a, a telephone number, I can get the guy who distributes it to send it to you. Um, but the book is a summary of those five hours of, uh, of Shurim. And I'm going to try and just highlight, because we've only got less than an hour after all the introduction, I'm going to try and highlight some of the points um, that, that's, that of the subject matter. Now, first of all, we have to understand what betokken means. There's a very big difference between belief, because betokken is a Hebrew word, and in English, it connotes two different things. It connotes belief on the one hand, and it connotes trust on the other hand. And the real reason that we learn Shara Batokan is because of trust, because of the lack of trust that people have and the positive benefit of trust when you have it. In other words, the negative aspect of, of not having trust we'll come to in a minute. The positive aspect of trust is that it actually energizes and creates your own destiny. And that's a fabulous tool. And understand that there are probably 8 billion, I, I, I heard that we just reached 8 billion nefoshois on this planet. And if I told you that there's probably less than a thousand people in the world who really get what we're learning, what we're going to be bringing about tonight. 
and they are all completely happy people. And we've had a Fabringen on happiness before. If anyone uh, doesn't know about it, they can speak to Michal. I'm sure she's got it recorded somewhere. It's an important Fabringen because happiness is important. It's critical, in fact. I mean, why live if you're not going to be happy? Now, the, the purpose of Batokan isn't to make you happy. The purpose of Batokan is to form a one-to-one -one relationship with your God of, of deeply personal, loving, helpful relation, a, a helpful relationship. But the byproduct of that is happiness. So let's start with um, what Batokan is. When I say Batokan is trust, let me, let me try and illustrate what it is. It's a feeling. Imagine, um, imagine that Michal's baby that she's nursing is two years old, not just born. And you have to, and, she, and the baby is in Michal's arms and Michal is going to cross Eastern Parkway. Now, Eastern Parkway is a busy thoroughfare with mad drivers for, for a Sydney man, not drivers in New York are crazy, tooting, speeding. And Michal is going to take her baby in her arms across the road. I want you to imagine what the baby is think, feeling at the moment as she's crossing the road with the mother. I'm going to ask you, is the baby concerned about the traffic? Is the baby concerned where Michal is crossing, at a, as a zebra crossing or not? Is there a traffic light there or not? Are the, is, are the cars coming or not? That baby doesn't, doesn't think about one of those things. What, why not? Because the baby trusts Michal with all its heart and all its soul. It's going to get across the road. It's not its job to get across the road. It's Michal's job to get it across the road. And the baby trusts Michal so much that it doesn't occur to the baby whether the traffic's heavy or not. Now, I'm not saying that you've got to live your life like that, but I'm trying to get you to get the feeling that we're talking about that Batokan is. Batokan isn't belief. There are many people who believe in God. It's almost logical to believe in God. You've almost got to be stupid not to believe in God. You look around you and everything that functions purposefully and so miraculously, there has to be a creator. Okay. The Rambam uses a very interesting, uh, uh, very inter brings a very interesting thing. that He says that if you see a tree, it doesn't mean that the tree is fruit bearing. But if you're holding a piece of fruit, it does mean that there was a tree, a fruit tree. So there are plenty of people who believe in God, but that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about trust. Not everybody has trust. And the level to which you have trust is in direct relationship to your well-being. If you can bring yourself by learning and by going to the spiritual gym, and exercising your, your spiritual koikas to understand Shara Batokan, 
which is why the presumably why I mean we don't know why the river does anything, but presumably that's why he recommended it to so many people. If you can get your mind and heart and soul around that so that it increases your level of trust to the point that your trust becomes absolute, the result of that is a different kind of life altogether. It's the life without anxiety. It's a life without worry. It's a life without fear. A simple example of this is money. Money is one of the things that if you took a, a poll across the world at what most people are, anx are anxious about or worry about, it's money. Now, one of the things that the Rabbeinu Bahaya teaches in Shara Batokin is that there are two aspects, there are two kind of currents in every person's life, in every Jew's life, in every Gentile's life. One is that you've got to take care of the physical because Batokin can be misplaced. Let me give you an example. We had Pashas Bashalach a few weeks ago. Amisrael is standing at the, at the ocean, behind them is Paro, and they, they don't know what to do. So there are four opinions. They break up into four groups. Everybody knows this, I'm sure. The first group says, let's suicide. The second group says, let's go back to Mitzrayim. The third group says, let's make war with the Mitzrayim. And the fourth group says, let's daven. We're Jews. Let's daven. And Moshe is displeased with all four and says that all four things are wrong. We haven't got time to go into the other three, but what's wrong with the, the fourth group who daven? This isn't the time to daven. We have two, two, these two currents are, one, we have to do, we have to do things physically and work with the world. And two, we daven because, and we have trust that what we do will bear fruit because we're doing it in accordance with Torah and mitzvahs. So there are times when Batokin is no good. You can't say, I, I criminize, I have a mitzvah of tefillin every day. So I've got so much Batokin in God that I, I'm satisfied he'll put my tefillin on for me. That's nonsense. It's just an excuse of avoiding my obligation. So certainly Batokin can't take the place of action. You've got to do what you've got to do. You've got, you've got to go to work. You've got to have, feed your children. You've got to provide for them. You've got to do all, all the things that you've got to do, you've got to do. We have 613 mitzvahs that everybody knows, and you've got to perform those mitzvahs that are possible. They're different for men, they're different for women, they're different for Koyanim, they're different for people who live in Eretz Yisrael. But those that apply to you, you have to do. And there's no amount of betokken which will take the place of your job of doing the mitzvahs. But once you've done them, your perspective is the critical thing. Is your perspective, I may fail? Is your perspective, it's no good for me? Is it your perspective that God's going to let me down? Let's deal with that because 
if I had to pick an elephant in the room in the subject of Betochen, it is, but I can't really trust God because he's let us down, he's let me down. Now, if you're dishonest, you won't agree with that, but if you are honest, um, you are going to understand that the truth is that you believe you have been let down. And the truth is that you, if you look at the world view, look at the world, it is you question why things are as they are. For example, we, we I'm sure all of you ladies know well the learning that we have on Ashkocha Protis. We believe that Hashem is recreating the world every moment, and that, that recreation means that he has... I'm just going to pause for a second. Michal, is this too heavy? Want more stories, or can I keep doing something important? It's the Rebbe's birthday. I'd rather keep doing something important. So Michal says yes. So uh, we believe in Ashkoka Pratis. Not only that, we believe that Hashem is creating the world every moment. Not only that, we believe that that entails logically control. Because if he's controlling your eye, if he's creating your eyelash, he must be controlling your eyelash. The two things go together. They're inescapable partners. So you've got to say that when there's a tsunami or when there is a tornado in, in, in the South, in America, or when there is a war between Russia and, and the Ukraine, or when there are people in pain and suffering, or when there is a Holocaust, that's not something God doesn't know about. On the contrary, he's doing it. So... When I say to you, your life would be very much better if you trusted in Hashem absolutely, it's normal and fair for you to react. But what about the Holocaust? What about tsunamis? What about those homeless people? You look on the television at these homeless people in, in, in the South after those whirly things, tornadoes. We don't have them in Australia, Barak Hashem. They're wiped out, devastated, no housing, no food, no, no nothing. How can you allow that to happen, God? And you want me to trust in you? And the answer is yes. But you've got to understand. There's a there's a, a, a something that needs to be understood fundamentally. And that is, let's go back to our dog. The dog doesn't have the mental equipment to understand daddy, the, the master's balance sheet of his business. He doesn't know what debt is. He doesn't know what credit is. He doesn't know what stock is. He doesn't know what outgoings and ingoings are. He doesn't know any of those things. He hasn't got the equipment to understand. And one of the, one of the, age-old questions that people ask is why do bad things happen to good people and the answer to that is that there's only there is only one answer 
And let me tell you what that answer is. We don't know. And if anyone tries to tell you they do know, don't believe them. They're lying or they're posturing because they don't know. Why don't they know? We don't have the equipment. That's the answer, same as the dog. There are some clues to why we don't know in Kabbalah and in Casidus, and I go through them in detail in the book, and I go through them in detail in the shurim that I've told you about. I'll just summarize them very quickly. The first is that God reveals what he wants to reveal and conceals what he wants to conceal. What he wants to conceal, he makes none of our business. Ah, we don't understand it, so what? The other, another thing that, uh, that, that we have trouble with, that we can't understand is that God has his own consequences. If one man's test is to be rich and another man's test is to be poor, it doesn't mean that the reasons for the rich man's tests are going to be the same in, in Haim or Yankel or, or, or Shimon or, or Levi. They'll be different in every person. And, and God is able to control all those variables. And we, we are not able to collate all those variables to understand them. We don't understand, for example, what happened in previous Gilgulim. We don't understand, for example, what's going to happen in future Gilgulim. Give you an example. You have a Rosha Goma who makes $50 million. And you think, I know a rabbi who's at Sadiq Gomer and he can't feed his family. But you don't know, and I don't know, that maybe in the next generation or the generation after, there's going to be somebody born who is going to inherit all of that money and spend that money building 50 Chabad houses. So our picture is such that we just don't know. But it's very arrogant to say, because I don't know, it can't be so. That's nonsense. So the first, before we describe what Batokan really is, I wanted to deal quickly with the fact why people have the problem of, of Batokan and understanding that Batokan doesn't replace activity. So let's go back to the Moshal of money because the Rabbeinu Bahai in, in, in the Shara Batokan uses this example a lot. You go, you, you, you have, you have to go to work. You can't lie in bed and be rich. You've got to go to work. But if you think that the work is bringing you the money, then you don't understand Batokan. And you should know that many of you have, I'm sure, heard much of what I'm going to be saying or have been saying because um, the Rebbe has expounded Shara Batokin in many, many, many seekers. And you've heard bits and pieces of it better explained by the Rebbe in those various seekers. But money is, is a broker. Some people make a, a huge amount of money with very little effort very little brains, very little acumen, 
They just do. And some people who are the cleverest people I've ever met, I've said this in previous Fabrians with you guys, I've had a legal practice for 55 years. Some of the most stupid people I've ever met in my life made fortunes and kept them. And I know people who are very clever, who even if they made money once, they lost it very quickly. Why? Because you don't make money. The word's wrong. Money is a broker. Have you got to make a Kaylee? You've got to make a Kaylee. Why? Because we have to work with Gashmirs. But the broker comes from Hashem. And if there's one thing that I could get one person in this Fabringen to take away from tonight, today or tonight for you guys, it is this, to understand that your life is about making a Kaylee for a broker. There are two things that are going on all the time. You are in charge of physical action, but you have to understand that that physical action is in order to receive the energy from Hashem, which is a, a broker. And now I'll tell you the most extraordinary thing that you'll ever hear in your life, and that is that the extent to which you have trust in that broker is the extent to which it's McQueen. Takes a long time to believe that. It's a long time to experience it. Someone who has experienced it, and I have, it's in my book, in the, in the Miracle Stories, if you, if you have experienced it, it's very much easier in the future. I have a friend in Melbourne, Rabbi Heinz V. Groner, who was, we were bringing one night and he told me a story of a, of a guy he knows in Crown Heights who's a jeweler, or he was then. And business was bad. He was getting, getting worse and worse. The business was getting worse and worse. And suddenly they got a big order from an Israeli wholesaler. And he came home and he's overjoyed and um, he's, got a, he's got a terrific wife, this guy. He's a, a real Asia's Heil, a real, a, real, uh, a real woman. You know, it says, everybody knows uh, the Rashi, but, but when Hashem created Hava from Otomi, he created uh, an Ezer Konegdoi, a helper of opposite him. And everyone says, how can it be both? Either you're a helper or you're opposite him. Rashi says, if, if you're Zoika, she's a helper. And if, if you're Loi Zoika, She's connected. She's opposite you. So this is a good woman that we're talking about. And he comes home and she, she, he's so overjoyed. And she says, what are you so overjoyed about? And, and anyway, he, he, he's happy that he's got the money. Nothing wrong with it. They needed the money. He goes to, next day is his birthday. He goes to work the next day and um, they cancel the order. And you have to understand this is, a matter of life and death for the business disorder. He goes home and he's always meant she's so miserable. He's, and he tells his wife what happened. And his wife says, okay, that's, that's not good news at, at the moment, but gums a little But at the moment, it's your birthday. And on, I'm telling you the story because it's your Dalif Nissen and the Rebbe's birthday. 
It's your birthday. And what's the Rebbe say, say to do on your birthday? You should bring and say Torah. So I've rung 10 of your friends, so that you've got nine of your friends, so that you've got a minion. And you're, you're going to Fabring tonight. I've, I've ordered some, some uh, food and, and some mushka, and you'll, you'll Fabring. And he says, Fabring. He says, I can't Fabring. I, I'm, so, I'm so smashed by what's happened. And the wife says, you will Fabring, and you're not smashed. Go and, go and find something. So he goes into his study to find something to say for, at the Fabringen. And he picks up uh, one of the volumes of Lucrate Sikhus. And in the Hoysophis, the Rebbe tells somebody who was disappointed in a business deal to calculate what his net profit would have been from the business deal, calculate the amount of tzedakah he would have given on that profit, which of course is going to be less, more than 10%, and give it. So he comes out and he shows this to his wife. And his wife says, so what are you waiting for? He says, let me explain to you. If we give this amount of money, I don't have wages next week. I don't have food for us next week. His wife says, there's nothing to talk about. Just do it and believe in it. What's wrong with you? Who have I married? She says to him. So he goes out, takes the checkbook, writes the check, and fabrings with the guys that night. I'm sure he had some mushka, which would have helped. In the morning, he goes to the office, and the Israelis are back. They've reinstated the order with. 20% additional. Now, does everybody know how to do that? No. Does everybody have access to the river? Unfortunately, not enough people do. But the, the principle is clear. He isn't, the, the, he hasn't, he's not working to make that extra money. He goes in anyway. He's sorry, he is working, but he's only making the Kaylee. How does he re-establish that broker by moving his spiritual position, not by moving his physical position? He didn't go to work any earlier the next day. He didn't resolve to work any harder the next day. He moved his spiritual position. He trusted that Hashem would look after him. His wife's argument to him was. I don't understand what you're saying. Hashem has fed us for 45 years so far, fed all our children so far. What is your problem? He will continue to feed us. Now, if, that's, if you believe in that enough, it makes it happen. It makes it happen more obviously. Is it normal to have doubts? Of course it's normal. But one has to deal with those doubts. And how do you deal with those doubts? By explaining to yourself that you don't have the equipment to understand Hashem's Hishboinus. 
why do why did Sadiqim want Mashiach so badly? Why why did Sadiqim cry wanting Mashiach? Let me ask you this question. Do you th- do you really believe that it's because they want a new a, a new uh, Cadillac, or they want a better house? The reason that a tzaddik wants Mashiach is that there's going to be an end to suffering. Why is there going to be an end to suffering? Because Hashem is going to explain what He's doing. There's going to be a giloel in teva, a revelation of godliness in nature. With that will come the fact that we understand what's going on. But one's life is completely different if you live if if one lives it with Batokan, believing in 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 Hashem and believing in Hashem in all the ways that we've bring together before, that Hashem is creating the world, that he's recreating at every moment that everything that's happening is happening as a result of his control, that everything that's happening to you is happening to you for a reason, that that your and my role in life is to react to what is happening to us and to each of us will be happening that which we privately, absolutely, personally need. And what Michal needs and what I need and what you need and what Jaime Uncle needs is entirely different. So we will have different tools to deal with those challenges. One man's test may be wealth. One man's test may be poverty. One man's wealth uh, test may be health. One man's test may be sickness. One man's test may be lots of children. Another, few children. Some children who behave, some children who don't behave, who are are lost and confused and unhappy. Everybody's going to have their own pickle. Everyone's going to have their own exact tests. How do you know what your tests are? Let me give you a simple answer. You know how you know? Because they're happening to you. That's how you know. Your life is your blueprint. My life is my blueprint. We can't control what happens to us. We control how we react to it. If we react to it in accordance with Torah and mitzvahs, with betachen, trust that Hashem is delivering up to us exactly what we need at the moment. The exact, let's go back to our jeweler. The exact thing that he needed, heir of his birthday, was them to have withdrawn the order. Why? Because it gave his wife the opportunity to hammer it through his dumb head that he should trust in Hashem and make the payment of the tzedakah. And once he'd done that, ah, his life is different. Now, there are two ways to, to react to what happened on the air of his birthday. Air of his birthday, you can come home and say, oh, I've been zapped again by this God. You want me to have you want me to have trust in God? He doesn't give me the money. They cancel the order. What sort of trust do you want me to have? Another way of, of reacting to it, much harder, I grant you. Don't I don't suggest that because I give the Shira I'm any better at this, or the Fabring and any better at this than you are. But the but the 
other way is to learn enough so that it be, the Chokhmah becomes Binah and the Binah becomes Das, that you trust that whatever happened was for your benefit. Otherwise, it wouldn't have happened to you. That is the test. The test of whether it was to your benefit or not is very simple. Did it happen to you or not? If it happened to you, it can't be bad. Hashem is all good. So if it can't be bad, the issue is to what level do you trust that? If you trust it absolutely, you don't come home miserable. There's no such thing in your life as disappointment. Just think about that for a moment. If you trust absolutely that Hashem is serving up to you the exact cocktail of what you need, the Tzemach Tzedek says in, in, uh, in Hoivus Halavavus, Hal that, uh, not in Hoivus, in, in Derek Mitzvah Secha, sorry, I was concentrating on who that was on the phone. One of my children have just gone overseas. And, um, so in Derek Mitzvah Secha, the, the the Tzemach Tzedek says the sole reason, not one of the reasons, the sole reason of the Neshama's Yerida into a goof is for Nesuinus, is for challenges, is for tests. So when you get a test, it's not just a happenstance. It's not just something in nature. It's not just something that's happening. Hashem is serving you up a dish. You can either... You can either partake of that dish with joy and trust and love and gratitude, or you can partake of that dish with suspicion and misery and disappointment. Let me talk to you about jealousy. Do you understand we're doing too much for one? As I said to Michal at the beginning, you know, you can't really do much in an hour, but let's understand. Let me try and get you to see this. Jealousy. Do you understand that? First of all, everybody understands that jealousy is a real existing negative in all our lives. Let me use something that's remote from me so that it's not personal, so that I'm not talking about myself in any way. But let's say you're a woman. And women like to look good. Women like to look, be pretty. They like, like to be ultimately beautiful. Now, if you have a friend and that friend is more beautiful than you, you would say it's natural to be jealous of her beauty at some level or another. Some people more, some people less. It depends whether you like the person or you don't like the person. But try and change perspectives for a moment. If your perspective is that your goof is the exact goof you need to live your 70, 80, 120 years and respond fully to your nesuiness so that you have grown and flowered and, um, and blossomed to the full extent that it's possible, then you've got the exact body you need to do that job. And if somebody else has nicer hair, 
That's because their job is different with their, their, their hair than your job is with your hair. So if you trust that enough, if your trust is so absolute that God knows what he's doing and he's given you the perfect goof, obviously you're going to contribute to it. Sure you are. We've learned, we've said it over and over again. The physical stuff is up to you. So if you, and Rambam says, you've got to look after your goof. You've got to, you've got to keep it healthy. You can't get too fat. You can't get too skinny. You can't, you can't eat this. You can't eat that. You've got to look after it. Smoking's bad for you, don't smoke. But at the end of the day, that goof that you've got an obligation to look after is the perfect goof for you. And somebody who understands that as Das, who trusts that Hashem has given them the perfect goof for them to do their challenges, how can they be jealous? They're not going to be jealous. Ah, is there a knee-jerk reaction from the Nefesh HaBahamas to be jealous? Sure there is. is will the Nefesh HaBahamas employ the, the Yetzirah to make you more jealous? Sure it will. But who's in charge here? That's what the whole of Chabad Hasidus is about. The whole of Chabad Hasidus is that your Nefesh HaLakis has to rule the Nefesh HaBahamas. How does your Nefesh HaLakis do that? One of the tools is Betokan. What level of betokken? Absolute level of betokken. The same level of betokken that Michal's child has crossing Eastern Parkway in, in, a, in a mother's arms. Let me tell you a fascinating corollary to that. As that child grows up, and as the child becomes old enough to cross the road itself, now, it does have to look right and left. It does have to be concerned about the traffic. It does have to trust more in his own judgment. But what happens? He's more vulnerable. Do you understand this? All of a sudden, as he takes on more and more of, as he, sorry, lessens the trust in his mother, he becomes more vulnerable. Now, are we allowed to trust in Hashem absolutely for the physical activity that we have to do? Of course we're not. We've learned that. And as we, with, as we take responsibility for more and more of our actions, as you, as you grow, I'm not talking about growing now physically. I'm talking about growing spiritually. The Rebbe used to say that not, nobody's the, not everybody's the age on their passport. You know, you have someone who, who's hearing this for the first time, they probably won't know what I'm talking about. But even if they do, they, they're a long way from, from achieving it. And that makes them a child in terms of, of their spiritual growth. But as one progresses with one's spiritual growth, they progress with this level of betokken. And, and if you progress, it's not necessarily so, but if you do progress with this betokken, then all of these levels of anxiety 
begin to melt away. Anxiety, fear. Let me give you an example. Let's talk about fear for one second. Fear is a very good example of your dealing with something physical and having your trusted in Hashem at the same time. And which, which is which? So fear has two levels. One is for the Nefesh Abamas. You've got a car coming at you. You've got to jump out of the way. You've got a lion bounding down Eastern Parkway. You've got to take shelter. That's your Nefesh Abamas being frightened, and that's healthy fear. Why? Because it gives rise to flight, which is a, an action, a remedy, a physical remedy. And we've got to work with the physical. But if you go to bed tonight and lie in bed and are frightened of what your boss is going to say to you tomorrow or next week or the week after, or whether your children are going to be eating next week, or whether or not you're going to be able to, to do this or do that, or whether something's going to happen to somebody who is sick at the moment, that they're going to get worse. Whatever, whatever fear you have, that's cancerous. Because you can't get rid of it. You walk around with it. It lives with you. And the way out of it is betokken. Somebody's sick, you're davening for them to get better. If you trust enough in the davening for them to get better, they probably will get better. Your davening will work. Now you say to me, Kremnizer, but what if it doesn't work? We all know that there are plenty of instances where it doesn't work. What's the answer? That's better. Do you feel it's better at the moment? No. Do you understand why it's better at the moment? No. In one last minute that we have together, let's talk about let's talk about when person being punished. Punishment is a is a fabringen on its own because. Our concept of punishment is a loving kiss from Hashem to help you improve. That's what our concept of punishment is. But one thing is for certain, if you are punished, it's because we deserve it. So if you have absolute betokken and you, are, and you work out that you're being punished with something, again, you, you're happy. Again, there is no, there's no room for fear or anxiety or misery or lack of betokken. Why? Because if you, if you deserve the punishment, Hashem is giving you the punishment to help you grow. And so what you're getting is a gift. And if you didn't deserve it, then Hashem's not going to punish you. So we're talking about a completely different mental dynamic, which is available to every individual. This is, the, this is why this subject is so important, because it's a dynamic that's available to everybody. It's very difficult. I'm not, I'm not kidding you. I'm not suggesting that you're going to get up from this Fabringen and go home and, and, and achieve total betokken in one step. You'd be very fortunate if you could do that. But a person that has a window on this has a window on a totally different life. It's an anxiety-free life. It's a happy life. 
It's a life of gratitude to Hashem. You know, we have pieces of Torah that make no sense without it. We learn in Pukei Ovis, Ezo Osha, who's rich? Everyone knows the answer, somebody who's happy with his portion. But what if your portion's less than somebody else's? How can you be happy with that? You're going to, you're, you're going to, to work in Manhattan on the subway and someone else is going in the back of a Rolls Royce. How can I be happy with my portion? Answer, on the contrary, you, you not only can be happy with your portion, but you're going to live a different life if you're happy with your portion. How are you happy with your portion? You go back to first principles. Hashem's creating the world. Hashem is creating what's happening to me. What's happening to me is this. Every reader is sorikalia. Every descent is for the purpose of ascent. There's no bad that comes from Hashem. I'm going to be tested for my tests because otherwise I wouldn't have been born. Being born is God saying the universe couldn't continue another minute without you. That's from the river. So you and, and, and because of all of that, I trust my God. And I trust my God absolutely. Does that mean that I, I, I shouldn't be doing things? Of course not. Of course you should be doing things. The more the better. But the reality is that if you live with that level of trust, if you live with that total level of dependency in your mind and in your heart and in your soul, you have a different life. Have an absolutely different life. Worry-free, anxiety-free. Does it mean you won't have pain? It doesn't. You will have pain. We have, we have, we have tests. You, does that mean you shouldn't dubbin to make the pain go away? On the contrary, of course you have to dubbin for the pain to go away. Why? Because job, Hashem is doing what he's doing and you have your job. One of the mitzvahs is to dubbin. What are we dubbin for? We dubbin for our needs. One of our needs is for the pain to go away. Does that mean that we didn't need the pain? It doesn't mean we didn't need the pain. We needed the pain. And what we say to God when we dubbin is, is this, we say, we recognize that we needed the pain until now. We understand you're rid of sorry, Kalia. We trust you absolutely that you know what you're doing, giving us the pain until now. But I've had the pain. Now I want it to go, please. Take it away. And if you trust enough, it probably will be taken away. And if it's not, it's because it's better for you to, to, to have it at another minute, another day. And you trust that too, but you don't stop davening. Well, Michal, um, we've reached an hour, so. Uh, Feel free to continue if you, um, if you would like. I've, I've got other commitments today, I'm sorry. Okay. So. Wow, okay, that was incredible. Hope, Thank you so much. I hope some of that got through somewhere. Yes, thank you. Thank you very much. Okay. And if you remember, if you have one more minute just to take a picture with us, do you mind? Is that okay? Like, I don't mind. Whatever you want. Thank you. Okay. If anybody would like to turn on your screen, you totally can. If not, you don't have to. I'm just going to find the tool. There we go. Okay.
we're gonna do a big smile. One, yeah, hold on. And one, yay, one more time. Sorry, I missed. <laughs> there we go. Okay, everybody's ready, one. Yay, beautiful. Thank you so, so much. Hey, ladies, and, um, I have a kosher and a happy Pesach. And remember that, uh, you know, the Rebbe asked the question, why does Oda come before? Because you have to remember what I said to you at the beginning. The Rebbe believed all the Torah that he said, right? So he believes in Ashkaka Protis, really believes in it. So why does the month of Oda come before the month of Nisan? Because the month of Adar is a time when you increase in Simcha, in happiness. And the, the month of Nisan is a month when we celebrate freedom. So the Rebbe says you can't be truly free unless you're completely happy. Oh, that is so, genius. I love that. I wish everybody a happy Pesach. Amen. And we're, we're excited to read your book. It's easier to be free then. Okay. Good night, ladies. Good night. Thank you.